0: taylor decker's on my all 22 fantasy team stop they don't care so the strategic component to this game is through the roof your predictions right you were forecasting fantasy football into how good is this player this is gonna it's gonna change the industry yeah i'll move to the old town where it goes down look at me now i wrote my goals down i hold Welcome into another edition of the All 22 Podcast. I'm Ray Cotto, and due to a series of unfortunate events, I'm flying solo today. So by now, you may know that I essentially live my life in countdown mode, right? Countdown mode to the draft, countdown mode to free agency, to training camp, to preseason, and finally, a countdown to the start of the NFL season. The final startup and rookie drafts in All 22 are just wrapping up. I actually just finished one no more than an hour or so ago, uh, and it's been a long off-season. Hopefully, it's been a great, happy, healthy, and productive off-season for all of you. Perhaps you graduated college, started a new job, maybe you entered into a new relationship, had a baby, made a baby, painted the house, did all the necessary yard work before week one, and read all the books and watched all the movies and documentaries on your to-do list before week one. Or... Maybe you got dumped, or you're stuck at a job you don't like with a boss you don't like, or even worse, maybe you're a college football fan of the entire state of South Carolina, or maybe, just maybe, you caught COVID from a foreign country just before the start of this whole deal in a purely hypothetical situation that has nothing whatsoever to do with how I sound on the mic tonight, but whatever it is, we made it. We're recording here late night, early morning on the eve of week one's Thursday night kickoff between the Lions and Chiefs. So as a reminder, be sure to cut down that roster to 53 players, double-check your injured reserve, set your depth charts, and get ready for the start of the NFL and the start of another year of All-22. Tonight, we're going to go over a start and sit at each position based on their Week 1 matchups to hopefully help you make some of those depth chart decisions and get off to a good start in All-22. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and start with quarterbacks. And at quarterback this week, I actually really like Derek Carr going up against the Titans, and this one's actually going to be a bit of a theme here with another one of my picks, but I think New Orleans goes a lot through the air this week as I like their trio of receivers overall. You have Chris Olave. We talked about uh, Rashid Shahid on a previous episode as a potential sleeper uh, over there in the NFC South at wide receiver. And for what it's worth, they have Michael Thomas back. Uh, even if you think maybe he perhaps lost a step or isn't the same guy he was when he was uh, perhaps atop the position of uh, wide receiver all by his lonesome a couple years ago in the NFL, that's still a very solid option uh, to sort of round out that trio of receivers there in New Orleans. Uh, plus we know Tennessee up front can be pretty tough, uh, and the saints themselves don't have Alvin Kamara in the backfield. So I think new Orleans is going to want to show off their new toy that they paid a lot for this offseason. Uh, I think Derek Carr has a chip on his shoulder and the back end of the Titans defense is basically ripe for such an undertaking. So I really think there's a lot of factors coming together here for, uh, Derek Carr heading into this week one matchup, uh, in the start of the season. So on the flip side, as far as the quote unquote bad uh, side of the quarterback coin here, I actually don't really have a quarterback for a quote unquote, sit situation. And I could sit here and tell you to, you know, go ahead and sit Daniel Jones because he's playing against the Dallas Cowboys defense. and they have playmakers at all three levels of of the defense uh, or don't start whoever's starting you know, at center uh, you know, behind center in Arizona. But I think by now we're all on that same page already. So my advice basically is, we should all have our starter and our guy at the quarterback position. So the advice here is to be unwavering in that position and forge onward. Stick to stick to your beliefs and move forward there at quarterback. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move on now to the second most valuable position in all twenty-two, and that is wide receiver. And this week, I actually really like Chris Godwin uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's a versatile wide receiver. Uh, who can play in the slot as well as out wide to basically find the best matchup uh, on the field at any given point in time. The Tampa Bay Bucks like to do that with Godwin more than anyone else uh, on that offense. So uh, when you have opposing cornerback trio of a Caleb, Will- uh, excuse me, I almost said Caleb Williams. Sorry, that's college football mode speaking. Uh, a Caleb Evans, Makai Blackman, and Byron Murphy uh, in the Viking secondary there at corner. Then there's plenty of mismatches to be found for someone like Chris Godwin as they move him along the field there. So uh, I'm a big fan of Godwin's matchup this week. Uh, We've talked about earlier in the offseason how we feel that Baker Mayfield, the sort of negative talk around him has gone way too far. He's still a quality quarterback uh, in this league. And it wasn't that long ago he was essentially in the top 12 uh, on this platform and in this league. So he has a quarterback that can get him the ball. He's got some favorable matchups and an offense that likes to move him around to get him in those best possible matchups. So I really like Chris Godwin this week against the Viking secondary on the flip side of wide receiver. It's not that I'm not going to start him, but I am a little bit cautious about Devontae Adams. Obviously we know he's a great receiver. Uh, He always grades and performs very highly when he's on the field. Uh, And he performed well in both games against Denver last year, but Patrick Sertan's another year more experienced. Devontae Adams is another year older. And the quarterback situation, as well as the situation just as a whole over there in in Vegas, is just a bit subpar. Uh, It is on the road in Denver. So it's not that I'm benching Devontae Adams, right? I mean, maybe if you have incredible wide receiver depth and you really have, I don't know, four top 10 type wide receivers in your lineup, then maybe you will decide to make a move and bench Devonte adams but uh it's not that i'm advocating to bench him so much so that i'm just saying i'm kind of sleeping with one eye open uh this week heading into his matchup because obviously sertan's one of the best corners in the league uh the quarterback situation there is obviously much less than he's had uh in recent years whether it was with rogers or with Carr. um So it's the first time in a long time he really has something that could be dragging him down at the quarterback position to go along with that tough matchup on the road in week one. So, again, keep an eye out for Devontae Adams. Proceed with some caution there. Moving on to our favorite running backs, right? Uh, I'm actually pretty high on Raheem Mostert this week. Uh, maybe it's a bit of an easy low hanging fruit type pick uh, with the chargers having been soft against the run in, in the last couple years. And the dolphins, as we know have a well-built built offense, even if they don't necessarily have the best offensive line by any stretch, the weapons that they have on the outside and the speed that they possess allows them to operate with breathing room in the run game. And Mike McDaniel has a great scheme and system foundation for the run anyway. So, I think when you put all that together, uh, you know it's not someone that you probably have in your top eight overall at the running back position over the course of a full season. But for this week one matchup, you got a healthy Tua. You got those weapons on the outside. Uh, I'm, I'm stock up on Raheem Mostert heading into week one. On the flip side, going back to that uh, Saints-Titans game, uh, I am a little lower on Jamal Williams uh, in week one. Obviously, like I mentioned before, the Saints don't have uh, Alvin Kamara for, for the first few games of the season, uh, and there's not many areas on the Tennessee Titans that people are high on, but their front seven is still stout with Jeffrey Simmons and Nico Autry, uh, Aziz Shair. So I think yards on the ground will be just pretty tough to come by, and they'll lean more on an attack through the air. Again, to kind of let Derek Carr strut his stuff a little bit and show off that new toy that they got this offseason. So uh, probably staying away from Jamal Williams and inserting another option there at running back in my starting lineup uh, for Week 1. Moving on to tight end, uh, the good, I am high on Jake Ferguson. I'll start by saying I liked Micah McFadden out of Indiana a lot coming into the league, but he's had some very poor showings against the pass in coverage at linebacker. And the Cowboys added Brandon Cooks this offseason, and that's going to give the offense a lot more space to operate uh, with than they had last year after they had given up Amari Cooper for absolutely nothing. Well, they went ahead and got themselves another uh, quality receiver to give them that trio that they had a couple years back uh, when they had Amari Cooper, they had a healthy Michael Gallup and they had a young CeeDee Lamb. Well, now they have a trio of uh, CeeDee Lamb, a now healthy Michael Gallup, another year removed from his knee injury and now Brandon Cooks for that speed element that's really going to open things up in the middle and the intermediate parts of the field there. So I basically anticipate a situation similar to Dalton Schultz in 2021, which is very, very conducive for great grading uh, for a tight end in that Cowboys offense. So uh, again, you can go back and look at uh, some of those Dalton Schultz uh, grades and performances in 2021, but it is a very uh, tight end-friendly situation there in Dallas, when all those pieces sort of come together, that they now have at wide receiver. On the flip side, I'm staying away from David and Joku. I know a lot of people are high on the skill uh, positions in Cleveland overall. Uh, now that you think uh, Deshaun's got his feet wet again, and you know is is now familiar with that offense and has kind of knocked off the rush, so to speak. But Cincinnati may have the best performing uh, pass coverage linebacker duo of any team in the league and Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson, who were both top 15 linebackers in pass coverage last season. And Joku himself is, you know, a poor run blocker, so to speak. His bread and butter is really in that intermediate passing game. And if that is stifled by that athleticism uh, in the second level from the Bengals defense, then I'm not sure what kind of upside he gives you this week. As I anticipate the Browns will really look elsewhere uh, on offense to really establish their offensive game plan. So, I know a lot of people are excited about Njoku and we know all about how tight ends take a few years and he was young coming into the league and he's got the athleticism and now has a good quarterback and weapons around him. Totally get it. But for week one, I may be seeing steering clear of David Njoku if I have some better options that I may be more comfortable with. Uh, moving on to the big guys up front on the offensive line. Uh, I mentioned it last episode, and I'm just going to go back to the well again, so this may just be very simplistic, but I'm going with Charles Leno Jr. as a guy I'm high on. He's better than you think he is. He's steadily good, and I mean, he's going up against the Cardinals. I don't want to use this cheat code too often, right? I think for a lot of different positions for most weeks of the season, we can just go ahead and point to whoever is playing the Cardinals and say, yep, I think that's a great matchup for him, so stock up to this guy. Uh, so I get it that nothing more really needs to be said than that. Um, uh, but again, this is an underrated player an underappreciated player who has a great matchup. And I think after week one, there's going to potentially be a lot of hype, uh, surrounding, uh, Sam Howell after the showing that they put up against the Cardinals defense in week one. And I think Charles Leno jr. Will be a big part of that. So, um, uh, don't be afraid to put in Charles Leno when you're starting lineup at offensive tackle this week. It's a high value position. He's a steady player and a good matchup. You won't regret it. On the flip side, I actually have two as one answer. Uh, and that is uh, offensive tackles for the chiefs, uh, Donovan Smith or Juwan Taylor. I think it, at least as of where we sit right now, it sounds like uh, Kelsey can miss the game. Uh, and that can cause for some late adjustments on offense to kind of make up for his absence through the air. Uh, I think overall, uh, we know how that Detroit Lions uh, sort of just team as a whole, that organization is as a personality, right? I think they're going to be fired up uh, for week one uh, to really showcase themselves against the best of the best. This is the sort of matchup that they thrive on, right? And so I'm not Saying that you know Detroit's going to come out and 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 straight up beat uh, Kansas City or anything like that, but I do think that defense is going to f- be fired up. I'm sure they feel a little bit disrespected. Uh, you know the whole us against the world, nobody's really giving us a chance against Mahomes in this offense type of mentality. Uh, and I think when you have in a maturing uh, Aiden Hutchinson on the other side of that offensive line, who's going up against those offensive tackles, uh, while their offense is compensating uh, without its top weapon then I think that does not bode so well for uh, the offensive tackles for the Kansas City Chiefs uh, against those guys up front for the Detroit Lions. So just as it relates to offensive tackle, I may steer clear of those guys for week one uh, and give the edge to, again, Aiden Hutchinson and uh, those edge rushers over there in Detroit. So actually going to go ahead and stay right there in that same matchup while we talk about guards. Uh, And I'm going to go with Jonah Jackson as someone who I'm high on, uh, the Detroit Lions guard heading into week one. So they're going up against the Chiefs front. That is without Chris Jones due to his holdout situation. And uh, Jonah Jackson was actually the 11th ranked run blocking guard in the league in 2022. And without Chris Jones, we've talked about how Chris Jones is sort of the glue of that entire Kansas City Chiefs defense uh, that really sort of brings all the parts together and allows them to uh, perform effectively as a unit. Uh, I think the Lions, with Chris Jones's absence, are going to lean on that running game more in week one, uh, and both Treshawn Wharton and Derek Notty had 2022 run defensive grades of 51.5 and 37, respectively. So again, we're talking a top 12 run blocking guard in the league in Jonah Jackson going up against perhaps what would be the lowest ranked duo or tandem against the run at defensive interior in the entire league. He's also flanked by a quality center and offensive tackle. So it's a really good uh, environment for Jonah Jackson to take advantage of those matchups right off the bat. So I am very high on Jonah Jackson heading into uh, this week, one matchup on the flip side. I'm maybe tapping the brakes on James Daniels just a little bit. He's always kind of hovered in that uh, 25 overall range for regard uh, over the past few years and he's just going up against a monster of a front in San Francisco. And he has a rookie next to him uh, in his first game starting uh, in Broderick Jones. So again, that, that's always a little iffy, right? The timing is always never quite right uh, at the start of week one when it comes to a lot of those tandem blocks and having to be in sync uh, to fully execute uh, a run and pass offense really uh, up front. So I get it. There seems to be a lot of hype on the Steelers overall. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with it at a high level, but I don't necessarily love this matchup on the interior offensive line for the Steelers in week one. So I'm probably staying back a little bit when it comes to someone like James Daniels. Moving on now to the final offensive position that we haven't touched on yet, and that's center. And right now I am high on Connor McGovern of the Jets heading into week one. So again, it's week one. That's the key here, right? So presumably this Jets offensive line is healthy for once. So he will be flanked by Elijah Vera Tucker and Lakin and Tomlinson, which I think is a big development because I've always felt just personally uh, that the interior offensive line is where Elijah Vera Tucker is sort of most natural and at his best. So if you have someone like Connor McGovern now surrounded by two quality interior linemen on either side of him, and now – uh, the big change for New York, obviously, is the quarterback position. These guys have a super veteran quarterback that's really situating the offense now and uh, lining up guys in the right spots, calling out uh, the the defense uh, pre-snap, getting everybody uh, set in the best possible situations uh, before the snap is going to make everyone's life easier, starting with the interior of that offensive line. So, uh, again, this goes hand-in-hand with another uh, – Sort of prediction or take that I have this week. But overall, I like how McGovern fares this week when you put all that together. And on the flip side, Jarrett Patterson over in Houston. This is a rookie center uh, who's going to be starting for the Texans in his first ever game. This is a sixth round rookie draft pick out of Notre Dame who's going up against six foot, 355 pound sandbag. Michael Pierce, along with 340 pound Travis Jones, who had a strong preseason, uh, heading into his second year and Justin Matabike also on the interior of that defensive line. I mean, that is just a tough draw for anybody, let alone a rookie sixth round pick making his first start with a rookie quarterback behind him, uh, as well. Total rebuild over there in Houston, And it's going to look like it when you've got basically the spine of that offense at center and at quarterback making their first start against the Baltimore Ravens. So definitely steering clear of Jared Patterson. So before getting into the defensive positions, I just want to remind you all to hit that uh, like button, subscribe to the channel, or leave a great review uh, to support the channel wherever you listen to your podcasts. It goes a long way. and We greatly appreciate all your support. Moving on to the d- defensive interior players, we're going to start with the good again, uh, and I'm going with Grady Jarrett of the Falcons. We all know that the Panthers' offensive line isn't necessarily highly thought of, so selecting a defensive interior player uh, of their opponent isn't necessarily some great, uh, you know, hot take or revelation or anything. But uh, one other thing that the Panthers are on the interior of their offensive line is tall. Brady Christensen is a 6'6", former offensive tackle. uh, And they have Chandler Savala on the other side, a rookie, making his first start at guard. So, you know, Grady Jarrett, as we all know, is six feet tall. So he plays low. He has great leverage and pad level, just fires off the ball and can just be just a pesky menace. Snap in and snap out for any interior offensive lineman let alone someone that already has a great disadvantage an even greater disadvantage than most other guards do against someone like Grady Jarrett due to the disparity in height and how Jarrett uses that to his advantage. So he's been a disruptive guy. He's always been a disruptive player on the interior of the defense there. And I think, that this is just going to accentuate the strengths that make him so disruptive, even more so than usual. So I'm a big fan of this matchup for Grady Jarrett heading into week one. And then on the flip side, I'm steering clear of someone like Ed Oliver. Again, it's not necessarily that I won't start him this week um, because, again, defensive interior is one of those positions where maybe you don't quite have – as many quality options as you wish you did uh, or that you feel comfortable starting on a weekly basis in all 22. Uh, So I get it. You may have to start someone like Ed Oliver, regardless, he's just sort of a weekly plug and play guy for you. Uh, And if that's the case, totally get it. Um, But again, kind of what I mentioned uh, earlier, right? I think this jets offensive line is better than they've shown or gotten credit for it's week one. So they're healthy. And they now have that veteran quarterback to get that offense situated before the snap. So again, when you have Vera Tucker, McGovern, and Lakin Tomlinson sort of uh, forming that interior trio there, that's a pretty stout and formidable interior uh, of the offensive line. So it's not necessarily a favorable matchup for the Bills defense on the interior. So for that reason, if I can, I'm maybe staying clear from Ed Oliver. Moving on to the outside edge rusher. This one's pretty simple. I'm really high on Quiddy Pay this week. He's going up against Anton Harrison, who will be making his first start, or if he's rushing from the other side, Walker Little. Simply put, those are matchups that any decent to good edge rusher should win. We think Quitty Pay has some upside. A lot of people were high on him coming into the league. Young player starting to mature. Now's the time for him to really ascend. And if he's ever going to do it, he would do it in a matchup like this. So stock up on Pay heading into week one. On the flip side, this overall to me is a sort of perennial sleeper pick because he was very good the last time he had a full healthy season. Um, But uh, I'm kind of steering clear of Randy Gregory. I think you should have some other quality edge rushers to take his place this week. I know pretty much everything over there uh, in Vegas is sort of in in chaos and just not necessarily, uh, you know, sound or of quality uh, throughout that roster. But one thing they can hang their hat on is they have two good offensive tackles and Colton Miller and uh, Jermaine Illuminor. So. Gregory may have a bounce back, if you even want to call it a bounce back season overall in 2023. He's sort of a slept on edge rusher that's super athletic and can put pressure on the quarterback in bunches, but I'm not necessarily sure that happens this week uh, again in week one. So steering clear of uh, Randy Gregory to start the 2023 season and then moving on to linebacker Always a tough position to predict on a year-to-year basis, let alone a week-to-week basis. But I think I found one I really like in Brian Osamoa. He debuted as a rookie with a great performance versus the run and in pass coverage. His one glaring weakness where he really didn't do so hot was as a pass rusher and as a blitzer. But he shouldn't be asked to do much of that in this game, Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their offensive line looks improved on paper, uh, but it will likely take some time to get to form with the changes that they've made uh, and with the sort of switching sides and things of that nature. So it's a bit of a work in progress. And uh, now these guys are catching them early on. So I really like uh, Asamoah against that type of matchup and that type of offensive front. Uh, Again, if he's not asked to blitz, and again, he's sort of uh, performed really well both ways against the run and in the past, uh, then I think he's going to just continue to do his thing and and grade very highly this week. So stock up on Brian Asamoah. And then conversely, I think I'm steering clear of Quay Walker. He's uh, you know sim- actually totally different from Asamoah. He's actually shown to be more of a blitzer and cover player so far Uh, And when you're going up against the Chicago Bears and that offensive style uh, with Justin Fields and the additions that they've made on the offensive line and on the outside, to be fair as well, he's going to need to step up in the run game. And again, Mm -hmm. that Bears offensive line is getting better. Their style of play is to, again, use fields to open up uh, the run even more so than they normally would with that kind of downhill rushing uh, attack and that downhill offensive line overall, very physical offensive line. They can attack you so many different ways uh, in space and right up the gut uh, in the ground game on offense that it really poses a tough matchup for linebackers and someone like Quay Walker, who is more of a blitzer coverage type player. So, I'm steering clear of Quay Walker because it just doesn't really suit his strengths this week. Moving on now to the back end of the defense, Uh, I'm going to go ahead and shout out someone I think uh, has definitely sort of been forgotten and has been off the radar for quite a while, and that's Ronald Darby. Um, From an offensive standpoint, I'm really interested to see what the Houston Texans do. We kind of touched on it a little bit when talking about centers, but that offensive line is banged up. And the Ravens are very stout on the interior. So you would think, okay, probably not a great day to run the football for Houston. But again, they have a rookie quarterback who they will likely want to play it a bit safe with. And so with that in mind, they don't necessarily have any elite wide receiver on the outside. We've talked about how we like Nico Collins and we do like Nico Collins, but, um, Again, nobody there that really scares you, that makes you think twice about putting a cornerback uh, on the other end of that matchup into your starting lineup. And the other thing that really excites me about Darby, aside from his consistent grading over the last few years outside of 2019, of course, is he his high run defense grade from last season. Uh, so again... His opponent's probably using a bland playbook to start because they have a rookie quarterback. So, you know, they're not, you know, they don't have that entire thing down pat just yet. So, I don't see anything being thrown at Darby, who's a veteran in this league. Uh, I don't see them throwing anything at him that he won't be able to handle. So, no pun there. Uh, And so, with that being the case, if they throw at him, great. I think he's up for the challenge. And if the Texans do try to turn it into a ground to pound game, We already talked about how that matchup doesn't necessarily favor them either. But even on the outside, Ronald Darby's a heck of a back-end player against the run anyway, as he's shown last year. So I like Darby in that kind of contest too. So either which way that this game shapes out, I kind of like the way Ronald Darby matches up. So stock up on Ronald Darby. And then on the flip side, Carlton Davis, I'm steering clear of. He's a bigger boundary type corner. When you're going up against the Vikings, obviously Justin Jefferson presents a challenge for anyone. But on the other end, even if he is fortunate enough to not be lined up opposite of Justin Jefferson on any given snap. Now Jordan Addison is a quick separator who's just kind of like a headache inducing type receiver. Um, Again, that gets in space quickly and really forces you to be on your game because he can get out of his breaks quickly and find separation at the top of his route just in the blink of an eye. And that doesn't really play into Davis's strengths, who's more of the, hey, physically body you up, use the sideline to my advantage, use my size, use my length. Uh, I don't really love the style matchup here for someone like Carlton Davis, and we all know that styles make fights. So I'm staying away from that matchup if I can help it when it comes to Carlton Davis, at cornerback in my lineups this week. Lastly, the very back end of the defense, we're talking about safety we talked about safety a lot this off season, about how there's not that many great ones in the league. The league is kind of starving for some great safeties, but there are some kind of hidden gems, so to speak at the position. If you really look for them and kind of play the whole week to week matchup dependency there. And one guy I really like this week is Marcus May. We talked about the Titans and the overall strength of their roster a little bit earlier on tonight. Um, but that offense doesn't really have any weapons that threaten you through the air. And Marcus may himself is a solid enough run defender uh, to come up as needed. Although the saints as a whole have multiple solid guys uh, up front to really sort of negate uh, that run game as best they can. Obviously that's really what the Titans pose as an offense uh, is that running game. Um, But I think with a strong front in front of him and no uh, opposing weapons on the outside to really threaten that secondary. I think things really favor well for Marcus may heading into week one against the Titans this week. And on the flip side, I would say someone I'm steering clear of who I actually have a lot of shares of, uh, is Amani hooker fine player. Uh, and given again, the lack of safety depth overall, he may end up still being a starter for you this week. But, uh, to me, that's, um, that Saints offense is really constructed to put stress on opposing safeties with guys like Rashid Shaheed, who can really get behind everybody uh, in an instant. Obviously, you have Chris Olave. We talked about Michael Thomas also now returning uh, to that offensive core, even if he's not necessarily the same guy. They have, uh, again, a quarterback with a chip on his shoulder. I've said all this already tonight, right? I think you put that all together it makes for a really tough day for opposing safeties. So Amani Hooker probably on a lot of rosters and a good amount of, uh, you know, top two at the safety depth chart for many users. But I think for this week, if I can help it, I'm steering clear of someone like Amani Hooker, just given that matchup and the way I think that game will unfold. So, that's just a quick run through of the offense and defense and guys at each position that I like and dislike uh, heading into week one. Dislike may be a bit strong, but you can call it more of a stock up, stock down, start them, sit him if you like. Um, no punters or kickers advice to be found here. So don't don't even come at me with that. Uh, and again, it is week one. You can always expect the unexpected when it comes to week one, right? Uh, it's a new, new year, new season, new coaching staffs, new individual coaches uh, on every staff on board. There's always new wrinkles and just the unexpected that is thrown around without any current tape to review of every team. So perhaps this week has more volatility and variance in our predictions and prognostications than any other week for the remainder of the year totally possible. Maybe that's what I'll lean on as an excuse. If, uh, these, these takes don't quite work out the way I think they will. But, um, once again, we've made it. It's been a fun off season journey with you all. Um, the response from all of you has been absolutely incredible and we really couldn't be more excited to go through this upcoming season and beyond with all of you uh you really do keep us going so i'll do my best chris impression here and remind you all to follow us on twitter instagram tiktok and facebook at all 22 underscore pff and to subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast hit the like button or leave us a five-star review to help support the channel and thanks for tuning in